I'm, I'm not going to sing this. Here we are today, sitting across from one another at a desk or a table, and uh, and welcome to Side Talks. Uh, okay. Um, See I how weird I, it is? I don't know what See to do with that. See how weird it yeah. is when I don't you're, you're, sing it? You're, you're, I usually expect you to throw a lot of energy at me. I know, and I didn't do you it. Just, you, you sat down and you were just like, hello, welcome to Side Talks. And I don't know how to pl- play off that. I don't know how to bounce off that. Well, just who are you? Uh, Vladimir Putin. And I am uh, Donald Trump, as you can tell by my face. Best friends. Forever. Now let's talk about cinema. Why not? I'm a puppet. Anyway, that's all I can do. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute. Round one. Fight. Five-minute fight! <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to buy time here because I'm going to lose this argument. I don't know if you will. I mean, who knows what Sam thinks about our subject today for this five-minute fight. Start the clock. We're going to fight about uh, Mr. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Who I think is great. Okay, so let's talk about Brad Pitt then. Um, he's not great. Why? He's just okay. Just You're going to have to justify that immediately. Um, Empirically, he, okay. he's very good. Okay. I, I know I'm losing folks everywhere. I get it. I get it. Everybody thinks he's a super handsome gentleman. I'm going to say this. I don't think he's nearly as good looking as people think he is. Just just across the board. I don't get it. I really don't. I don't think he's that handsome. He's fine. Like, uh, he's, I mean, clearly doesn't do anything for me, but what else is new? Um, but he's just not that great. And he's not that great in anything he does. Mm. He seems, he's a little smug. I think he, um, I think he's a little too big for his britches. He um, comes across as being, um, I'm trying to think. He comes across as not quite as good as he thinks he is. Mm. And and his performances all are in the same world. I haven't seen him really do anything that feels so much different than the last thing he did. Mm, I disagree and, with that. And so I think he's, he's, he just strikes me as being kind of mediocre. I bet if he were here, he would agree with me. No, no. I think, okay, we've already argued about this movie, and your your opinion on it is well known. I think he just gave the best performance of his career in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But you compare that performance, which is a full-on, wonderful movie star in all caps performance to, eh. you know, him playing essentially a goofy gym rat in the Coen Brothers' Burn After Reading. Which or, is like a caricature of a performance, but okay. You no, know, it's an amazing comic performance with oh. a, like terrific, like physical comic acting. All right. Compare that to the, uh, you know, solid movie star performance in Moneyball, which is awesome. He's kind of um, the same person in Moneyball, but he has in like 10 other films. And, and it's I, I not that, that far off from his performance in Once Upon a Time. I think you can also look at the the course of his career and see, you know, that the the pretty boy actor who sort of burst onto the scene in like Thelma and Louise and California, he has And uh, what grown... was the sitcom Growing Pains? Burst I, I, into that was too. He, yeah. Was he in Growing Pains? Or was that Leo? That was Leo. I think Leo. that was Leo. Um, he's grown into a really, really terrific actor. Um, and, and you know, it's not like he was giving bad performances when he was younger. I mean, he gave some bad performances when he was younger. But he made a decision to work with, like, really, really great directors who have guided him to a series of really, really great performances later in his career. You know, his buddy David Fincher um, – you got, uh, like I said, he worked with the Coens. He's got Tarantino uh, in his stable now. He works some big indies and tries to act like he's an art actor, and he's not. I think that if you look at the performance by James LaGrosse in the film Living in Oblivion that is parroting his performance in, in Johnny Swade, that that is pretty much the human being that we're dealing with here. He's way better. He, he He's not as good as he thinks he is. He's It just... It just all nothing you're describing to me does feel like great performances. These just don't feel like great performances. One of them's a caricature. 
Mm. One of them is, you know, the rest of them are kind of the same. So, okay, Brad Pitt, good, good, good. Pick the one performance. Stick, that's what I always say. Pick the one, stick with it. We like it. It's fine. Let's give somebody else some work. He's just not that great. I disagree. Also, uh, his work as a producer has been unimpeachable. That is not relevant to this conversation. It is relevant to this conversation. He has put his money where his mouth is in regards to producing works. And he has very little left. Just folks so like little left. Barry Jenkins. Uh, Ava DuVernay, Steve McQueen, Plan B Entertainment, his production company, has produced a lot of really great movies and won Best Picture a couple of times. I feel like his product – I feel like you put that in your back pocket. That was really unfair. You put in your back pocket that he tends to be – he tends to, like, use his money to, first of all, make himself some money back. Because it's not like he's just EPing stuff that he's not making money back on. Everything you just mentioned, he got paid. I don't think you're making Moonlight, though, because you're just like, oh, boy, I'm going to be rolling in that Moonlight money. But he is. I well, mean, Moonlight is a great case. cash generator. Yeah, I mean, I think he's making some good gambling decisions for sure. So, I mean, we're not going to pat him on the back. He's not saving. I'm going to pat him on the back for that. I, I'm you pat know, him I on disagree. The back for that I disagree. There's a lot of places you can spend your money. EPing big indie films that are probably going to do pretty well just doesn't make him a hero. That mm. and that is, I think that's it. We're all going to we're all going to lift Brad Pitt up. He doesn't. I mean, like I said, I think if he was here, he'd be like, you know what? You're right. There's a lot of better actors than me. There's a lot of better actors than me out there. Are there better movie stars? That's than the only thing I'll give him. I will give him that I do think as a human being, I do think when it comes down to it, he probably recognizes his place in the world, and that is he's a good-looking guy that's gotten a lot of help, that's gotten a lot of help from his friends, that's done really well for himself, that probably has a lot more than he deserves. Yeah, that's but that's what, Hollywood, right? Like, if, if we're going to complain about Brad Pitt like specifically, yeah, it's like, it's that's like, like a handful every of single man in Hollywood. Sure, and that's what I'm saying. That's what, what I'll, the credit I'll give him is I think he would acknowledge that, that there's probably a ton of people out there who are way better than he is. I mean, he's just kind of, I mean, is you know not as good looking as everybody says and not as good an actor as everybody says. But he picks the projects that are right for him. And does he? He picks the people to work with who are right for Does he pick safe projects? I don't think you can. What look is at... he doing that's really out on a limb? What is he doing that's really lending anyway? This is the thing. What he could go do a real true indie. He mm-hmm. could go do a film with some some people that we know, and do an indie and bring that and lift that indie up. And that's that is not that's daring and interesting. He doesn't do that. Yeah, because he's a fucking movie star, and a great one, Sam. I mean, I'm letting that just land right where you put it. Won't somebody please defend Brad Pitt? <laughs> I mean, he just can't catch a break. Okay, so Corey came right out of the bat stating empirically he's very good, which is 100% true. His producing company has done a lot for minority filmmakers. Um, he's done more than just appearing in a commercial for environmental change like a lot of actors do. Um, Rachel said he's not nearly as good as looking as as nearly as good looking as you think he is, and that's just you lost all your points there. Um, he's he is he can come off as smug, but then takes a quiet, subtle role like Ad Astra, and <laughs> which rules? Which rules? It does. You rule. guys quit acting like these films are little tiny indies. Come and, on. <laughs> But he's great in them. These are not little tiny indies. These are big he's so blockbuster quiet films. And has tears in his eyes, and it means he has range. You guys are. It, it does mean I, he has range. I do I mean, think he does have huge range, much more than Tom Hanks or Leo DiCaprio, even okay, in I'm all their movies. Um, so I'm going to say Rachel again gets 1,000 points for even attempting to take down America's sweetheart slash sexiest man alive, Brad Pitt. Corey gets 1 million points for simply speaking the truth. Um, <laughs> and I. 
have to say, if he were here, he would definitely agree with what Rachel is saying, which just goes again to prove how great he is. He's a movie star, and he's humble and self-aware. Um, I didn't ever use the word humble. Let me go on record and say I did, would never associate the word humble with Brad Pitt, but go ahead. Well, um, and also just have to say Brad Lyons gets one billion bonus points for starting this fight by asking who's ready to dive into Brad Pitt. <laughs> Corey clearly is. I'm, I was eager to. Yeah, I don't know about humble. I think he's as humble as Mariah Carey. <laughs> what up? And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders III to the studio for his segment, Film History Minute with Charlie Brown. Shot almost entirely at magic hour, the hours between day and night, early in the morning and late in the evening, Terrence Malick wanted to have a white sky and no sight of the sun for his film, Days of Heaven. This was the first film to utilize a new Eastman ultralight-sensitive stock negative, which enabled clarified images to be shot at dawn, at dusk, and into the night. The visual motif of the far-off farmhouse surrounded by wheat fields is reminiscent of Andrew Way's 1948 painting, Christina's World, as well as Edward Hooper's painting, House by the Railroad. It is also reminiscent of Rita, the ranch home of the Benedict family in Giant. Over a year of shooting, Malick coalesced his storyline into themes, ever-present preoccupations about man's frailty in the face of nature's power and God's indifference to our petty concerns. It feels epic, yet runs barely over an hour and a half, the shortest feature for Malick by far. The production schedule was loosely structured at best from top to bottom to allow actors to improvise. The call sheets were sparsely detailed, while the schedule was changed at short notice to take advantage of changes in the weather. Although this may have allowed the cast more freedom, many crew members who were more used to tighter organization took it as a sign that Malik and cinematographer Nestor Mendores had no idea what they were doing, leading to several resignations. After two weeks of shooting, Malik was so disappointed with the dailies, he decided to toss the script and shoot miles of film with the hope of solving the problem in the editing room. In an interview conducted for the Criterion Collection DVD edition of the film in 2007, Richard Gere speaks of a shot in the film during the wheat fire where a monstrous antiquated tractor is driven through the flames. According to Gere, director Terrence Malick was the driver. Even though Richard Gere's first notable role was in Looking for Mr. Goodbar, he actually made this first, but the film took two years to edit and wasn't released until 1978. John Travolta auditioned for and won the lead role of Bill, but ABC TV wouldn't let him out of his contract for his series Welcome Back, Cotter, and the part was eventually given to Richard Gere. Sam Shepard's first substantial screen role can be found in Days of Heaven. Prior to this, he was better known as a playwright. Linda Manns, an unknown at the time, won the role over Tatum O'Neill. The difficulties of achieving the film's correct flow were ultimately ironed out by adding Linda Manns' narration. In addition to loose production planning woes, the harvesting machines constantly broke down, which resulted in shooting beginning late in the afternoon, allowing for only a few hours of daylight before it was too dark to go on. Unusually for most films, the main mansion that forms the backdrop to the drama was not a facade, but a fully fleshed-out house, with rooms authentically furnished and decorated. One day, two helicopters were scheduled to drop peanut shells that were to simulate locusts on the film. However, Malik decided to shoot period cars that day instead. He kept the helicopters on hold at great cost, production was lagging behind, and the budget went over by $800,000. The production ran so late that both Almendores and the camera operator John Bailey had to leave due to a prior commitment on Francis Truffaut's The Man Who Loved Women. 
Almendores approached his friend and renowned cinematographer Haskell Wexler to complete the film. All in all, the film took five years. Supposedly, because of the stresses of making this movie, Terrence Malick took a 20-year hiatus from films until returning for The Thin Red Line. The movie cost $3 million, not including the marketing, manufacturing, and shipping costs. It bombed at the box office, grossing just $3.4 million. Promotion of the film was complicated by the fact that Terrence Malick refused to give interviews, and Paramount didn't allow for a novelization, which was a common marketing tactic at the time. Instead, they opted for a word-of-mouth campaign with early screenings by invitation only. It seemed to work, though, as critics were quickly clamoring for tickets. Days of Heaven did receive positive reviews on its original theatrical release. Its photography was widely praised, although on a small number of critics considered only this aspect to be worthy of high praise. It did win an Academy Award for Best Cinematography, along with three nominations for the score, costume design, and sound. Despite the film's commercial failure, Charlie Bluthorn, who ran Paramount's parent company Gulf Western, loved it so much that he offered Terrence Malick $1 million for his next project, whatever it was. Malick began to develop a project for Paramount entitled Q. Riddled with production troubles, Malick would abandon this project after a brief span of a second unit location shooting, and the ideas that began with the abandoned Q movie from 1978 would later be reworked into the Tree of Life and Voyage of Time, Life's Journey. Blown up to 70mm for re-release, all Days of Heaven prints were accidentally lost when a Paramount in-house memo requesting that surplus copies of Days of Thunder be destroyed was misinterpreted. There are only two 70mm prints of the film in existence. One is available for exhibition. The other has never been allowed to leave Paramount's vaults. Thank you for listening to Side Talks. We are your own personal, and this is maybe the most apropos we've ever done, Spicoli and Brad. Okay, that's good. Thanks to Batwall Studios. Uh, and uh, check us out online at www.sidewalkfest.com and on social media at Sidewalk Film on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all that good stuff. See you later. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.